Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. What's up, New Song? How's everybody doing this morning? Good. That's not too bad. I won't make you do it again. We don't serve coffee yet. Once we get the coffee back, then my expectations are going to go a little bit higher for you. But uh, man, of course, like I said earlier, uh, PJ is coming back, him and Jennifer next week. We're looking forward to having them back, but they are energized. They're ready to go. Uh, But you all are stuck with me today. All right. Stuck with me today. And some would, some would say that right now, this time in which we're living in is the age of perpetual offense. I mean, as a culture, it seems like we've become so quick to judge, quick to criticize, quick to condemn, and quick to just flat out cancel anybody and everyone that seems to offend us in even the slightest way. Have you noticed that? And, and the interesting thing is, is that that's always kind of been around. That's not really a new thing per se, but before it used to be kind of reserved for those that were well-known or those that were famous. We would, we would not like something that somebody said and we'd cancel a politician or we'd cancel an athlete. We'd cancel an actor, or an actress, maybe even cancel a Fortune 500 CEO. But now, unfortunately, it, it's gone even beyond that. Now it very well could be your old school teacher that says something that you don't like on social media. Maybe it's the the coworker that crosses some kind of line in the sand that you've drawn and so you just write them out of your life. It doesn't seem to take much in this culture that we're living in today. Sometimes it could even be just a single misstatement, just a misstep that's not that doesn't seem like that big a deal, but it gets blown way out of proportion. Or it could be something very intentional and very dumb. Just a dumb mistake. Maybe it was a tweet or some kind of social media post or a comment that might even be 10 years old. There might even be a person that's had years and years of integrity. Years of integrity, but with one moment, one comment, one act of foolishness, one moment of sinfulness, and we just completely write them off, write them out of our life. And the tragedy to me is the fact that it's, it's not just the famous, it's not just the well-known, but today it could actually be friends and family. New song, it breaks my heart. There are literally family members that do not speak simply because they don't like the way another family member voted. Or they don't like somebody that they follow on social media, or there was a disagreement over a single issue, and now they've completely distanced themselves from that person. It's the opposite of what we're supposed to do. That's the opposite of the gospel. But we certainly live in the age of perpetual offense. And I think it's important, New Song, that we acknowledge a truth. And it's the truth, and it's on your notes there, and they'll put it up on the screens, but it's this truth right here, that if you're on a continuous search 
to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. If you're searching for it, you'll find it. And when we live in such a culture that's almost looking to be offended, that's looking to be angry, that's looking to dishonor everyone in their path, the way that we're called to live by God is so very different. It's so countercultural than what we experience right now. In fact, we know that scripture tells us in Romans 12.10, it says, honor one another above yourself. So it's not just saying, hey, you need to honor people. It's actually saying, hey, by the way, when you honor them, honor them even better than you would want to be honored. So I have to ask you, how well do you think we're doing at that? As a society, how well do you think we're honoring others above ourselves? And that's why today, this morning, I want to take a little bit deeper dive into that most undervalued, overlooked virtue that means so much to God and I think should mean so much to us. And of course, that virtue is honor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, just for the opportunity to be able to share your word with your people. And Lord, I pray that today you would give us the ears and the minds and the hearts to receive what you have for us. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and Lord, that it would be your words and not mine. And it would truly penetrate hearts and change lives in Jesus name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, you might remember that I had preached kind of part one of this little short series on honor. And we dove into Mark 6, and Jesus was just coming off some incredible miracles. If you're familiar with the book of Mark, especially the early portions, we know that Jesus had just healed a woman with an issue of blood. She had this issue for over 12 years. She'd gone to many doctors. They weren't able to do anything except take her money. And here she is still broken. She's still sick. And then maybe even more incredibly, there was a little girl that had literally died. She was physically dead. And at the power of his spoken word, she was raised to life. Some pretty incredible stuff that Jesus was doing. But then we know that Jesus went to his hometown then of Nazareth. Of course, he wasn't born there, but he was raised there. And like with most Jewish people of that time, the people of Nazareth, they were looking for the Messiah. They were all wondering, where is he? What's he going to look like? What, how's he going to act? How's he going to show up? What, what's going to happen? Where is he? And then little did they know Jesus, the Messiah himself, the one that they had been searching for, the one that they're waiting for, comes walking into town and is completely overlooked. And they, they actually do the opposite of honoring him. Let, let, let's read in Mark chapter six, verse one through five. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. 
They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? And then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters, they live right here among us. The Bible says they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So Jesus is in his own hometown and he was without honor. He was being treated as common and ordinary. And we learned a few weeks ago that, of course, honor, it esteems. Honor, it cherishes. It values. It builds up. It encourages. It believes the best. Where dishonor, in turn, it treats as common. It tears down, it belittles, it criticizes, it devalues, and seems to always assume the worst. It's a bit like a guy that's dating a girl that he really likes. Anybody ever been there? Come on, guys in the building. Man, you were just in love. Maybe when you were just dating your wife, and man, the sun rose and sat on her. You think, hmm. Man, she just smells good. She's so pretty. Oh my goodness. They're worshiping the ground that she walked on. Everything you did, it honored her. You honored her by opening doors for her, no matter where you went. Open the car door. Maybe you open the, the door to a store. You would honor her by taking her on dates. You remember what that is? A date? You would honor her by giving her compliments. You would brag on her to others. For some of my younger couples in here, you'd be posting pictures and selfies together with hashtag true love. And everybody else commenting relationship goals. And then all of a sudden what happened? One day you got married and you started to settle down. And then over time, you start to take one another for granted. And instead of honoring and lifting her up, you begin to treat her as ordinary and common. You would come in the door from work, and instead of those compliments and that affirmation, all of a sudden, all she's met with is, hey, what's for dinner? Or, so what did you do all day? You know, I've actually seen new song. I've actually seen men that show more affection to their dog than they do their wife. It's the truth. Don't be that guy. If you want a special God honoring marriage, you have to do what that verse says. You have to honor one another above yourself. You want a successful marriage? You have to put yourself aside and put your spouse up above yourself. 
But now, maybe not everybody wants that. And if you, if you want a common marriage that's just held together with duct tape and bailing wire, well, then continue to treat each other as common or ordinary. And I think this is one of the biggest problems, New Song, is that we often tend to think, well, once they act honorably, then I'll show them honor. But not until then. Once they start to live in a way that they deserve honor, then at that very moment, I'll give them some honor. But we have to realize that there is a big, big difference between respect and honor. What do we know? Well, we know this, and they'll put it up on the screens for you, that respect is earned where honor is given. Honor is a posture of the heart. Honor is humility. It's saying, God, because of who you are and because they are your creation, even though they are not yet acting in an honorable way, I choose to honor them because it's one of the ways that I can honor you. That's what honor is. And of course, we learned a few weeks ago that the crazy thing about honor is that the moment that you start to place honor on someone, the moment that you start to treat them as special or as precious, as valuable, as weighty, the moment you start to do that as you build them up, as you believe the best for them, as you encourage them, so often they will actually start to become more honorable. It's incredible how that works. Now, on the other hand, just as powerful as that is, the opposite is just as powerful. That if you continue to assume the worst and you continue to tear someone down, you tell them over and over again what they are not. If you continue to tell them over and over again things that belittle them and you continue to criticize them, it's amazing how sometimes they actually start acting more dishonorably. It's almost a, oh, that's the way you think of me? Well, let me prove you right. If you don't speak life to someone, if you continue to belittle them, they will actually act more dishonorably. And that's because of this. And it's in your notes. Honor builds up while dishonor tears down. So what are we going to do? What's, how are we going to respond to this? And that's what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of narrow in on these four different avenues of scripture in which we're told to be honorable. And we'll look at four different categories of those that we should honor and how we honor them. And the first one, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Number one, we honor God. It's our creator, our sustainer, El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. 
He's our provider. He's the Holy One. He's our Redeemer, our Savior. I'm talking about that God. We give him honor. But pastor, how do we honor him? Well, we read in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce that he will fill your barns with grain and your vats with good wine. We honor God with what he gives us. Scripture also refers to this as our first fruits. Because you have to realize new song that everything we have comes from God. Without God, we have nothing with God. We have everything. So as an act of obedience and honor, of course, we're going to give the first 10% back to him. That's without saying it's already his. When you realize that it's already his and it's not even yours, it doesn't make it very difficult. So we honor God because he's good. We also honor God, not just through finances and our time and our talents, but we also honor God with our bodies, that they are to be holy and set apart for his glory. So what does that mean, Pastor Josh? Well, that means that there's going to be some places that we just don't go. That means there's going to be some things that we just don't do. There's going to be some things that we just choose not to watch and not to listen to. There are some, some things that we do that might seem different and weird to others, to the world. It doesn't make sense, but that's because it is different. We're called to live differently. We're called to live holy and set apart. Not to be better than anyone. I don't want anyone to think that. It's not not to be able to go, oh, look at me. Well, I don't do that and you do. Hmm. That's not what he's talking about. No, we don't do it for anybody else. We definitely don't even do it for ourselves. We do that to honor God. We also honor God through our worship. It's more than just songs and lyrics on a Sunday morning. It's the worship that we give them throughout the week. It's incredible. We're so blessed to have Pastor Evan and the team that we have. New song, I'm Ted. Come on, somebody. We are blessed. But can I tell you, as much as God loves that moment and as awesome as it is for us as a congregation, come together, worship, lift up the name of God, it's incredible. But God really loves it when you worship a Monday through Saturday. It's easy. It's easy when there's 200 people in the room and man, you're just going off. Oh, that, this feels good. Oh, I love it. But what happens on Tuesday when, when the boss sends you that email that says, I'm going to need to see you in my office. Are you worshiping him then? Because man, if you would start to worship him, even in those moments, oh, you want to talk about life change because worship's not just lip service, new song. It's, it's to come from the overflow of our hearts because of who God is and what he's done in our life. Come on, is there anybody in this room that God has done an amazing work in your life? 
that when you look back, it's amazing what he pulled you out of. It's incredible. We owe him that honor. It should come and that worship should come from the overflow of our hearts. We honor the goodness of God in a culture that makes fun of God. In a culture that takes God extremely lightly at best, we choose to honor God. We're also told in scripture not to just honor God, but we are also told that we need to, and this is number two, honor our parents. Honor our parents. And I want to talk to kids of all ages this morning. That includes you. Because some of you might say, well, my my parents were mean. You don't know, pastor. You might say, my parents are weird. I would say, you're probably right. They probably are weird. I know that our kids, at least the ones that are old enough to speak right now, they often remind us, mom and dad, you're weird. Thank you for your ministry, son. I appreciate you. We are weird, but you know what? That's okay. It's okay to be weird and different. Did you know it's even okay if your, par- if your kids are a little bit upset with you because of maybe some discipline that you've had to lay down? Maybe something that you've had to keep them from that, that they are very angry about it because of course we know even once they hit those teenage years, they become incredibly smart. It's an amazing thing happens. They become smarter than you. It's incredible. They might be angry at you. They don't realize that you're trying to protect them. They think that you're just trying to tap their fun, but you know a little more than they do, and you're just trying to protect them. It's okay for them to be upset with you, parents, because guess what? We are not called to be buddies to our children near as much as we are called to be a spiritual authority imparting life unto them. And we're going to teach them to honor in the home so that they will know then how to honor when they get out of the home. You see that that's something that, that Mallory and I, we don't get it. We don't get it right often, but we do our best. We want to teach honor in the home. And it might sound really old fashioned. I know, especially up here in the North down South where I come from, it's normal. But up here, you might think, well, that seems a little old fashioned. But Mallory and I, one of the ways that we're trying to teach honor to our children is that in our household, our kids, when we ask them something, the expected response is yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And and that's, that's with any adult. That's not just Mallory and I, that's any adult. They address you. You say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. No, sir. It might might seem old fashioned, but I'm telling you, it's one of the ways we want to teach honor in our household. It's a work in progress. Pray for us. But we're, but really we look at it. It's a training. It's training them to always be in a posture of honor. And like I said, we're far from perfect, but we're going to start here and we're going to build into our children, a culture that says, as for this family, we honor those that have gone before us and who are over us. 
Because listen, new song, if our kids won't honor us in our own household, how would we ever expect for them to one day honor a boss or to one day honor their spouse? Come on. So we honor God. We honor our parents. And the third thing that scripture teaches us to honor is we honor those in authority. We're to honor those in authority. And I'm telling you, if I haven't stepped on any toes yet, I think I'm about to. Get your steel toe boots on. Because I know there's some of you that are in this room right now that's thinking, oh no, pastor. I am not going to honor this current administration. It ain't happening. And then there's some in the room, that's what's amazing about that kind of thing, that would say, oh, pastor, I hope you're not talking about that previous administration. Can we have some real talk here at 1292 Baker Street real quick? Is that cool? Over the years, new song, I have liked some of our leaders more than others. I've disagreed with some. I've disagreed with tone, policy, sometimes both. But I can confidently tell you that I have never dishonored our leaders. Not once. I still pray for them. Still hope the best. Still just trust in the fact that they are God's creation. I trust in the fact that God is still God. Jesus is still King. Right? So proud of my kids, man. Graham, I kid you not, ever for the last two or three months, every night we ask him, hey, what are you, what's your prayer request? What's something you want to take before God tonight? Every time he includes our president, a lesson from a six-year-old. Whether you like him or not, we're called as Christians to pray for our leaders. And here's why I want to put this up there. Because you can disagree with someone without dishonoring them. I think that's something that our culture has lost. They've lost it in the fog of social media. That when, when you get to be just kind of this faceless thing, all of a sudden you get real brave. People say things extremely dishonoring on social media. You ever notice that? But they need to realize that you can disagree with someone without dishonoring them. And there's a big difference between those. We honor our leaders. We pray for those that we voted for and we pray for those we didn't vote for. We don't have to agree or endorse to show honor. I think that's important. I mean, just look in the Old Testament. When David was running for his life from King Saul, Saul is literally trying to kill him. And what did David do? He still showed King Saul honor. And I don't know about you, New Song, but not once in my life have I had a congressman or a president or anybody try to kill me. So if David can be under that kind of authority, and still show honor, then so can I. And so can you. The fourth one. We're to honor our pastors, 
and spiritual leaders. And and I don't want to sound self-serving in this, so so I'll kind of deflect. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.17, it says the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of, what does that say? Double honor. Not just honor. It says they're worthy of double honor, especially those who work, whose work is preaching and teaching. So I would encourage you, New Song, when you see Pastor Stephanie or Pastor Evan or even Pastor Dan out in the halls, when PJ and Jennifer come back from sabbatical and you see them, do me a favor, give them a hug and tell them how much you appreciate their ministry because they're worthy, the Bible says. They're worthy of honor. They're actually worthy of double honor. I want to go one further. When you pick up your kids back in the kids area today, why don't you take a moment and just thank and honor those men and women that are pouring into your children? They are worthy of honor. It's incredible what they do. Sometimes two services in there with your kids. We tell them, hey, worship one, serve one. You know the rules. But they just have such a passion to be able to pour into your kids and to see that next generation affected in a positive way for Jesus. Give them honor. Hey, sometime, maybe even write a little thank you note, slip a little Starbucks card in there for them. Lord knows they need it. But show them honor. Why, why, why do you think honor means so much? Why, why, why should it mean so much to us? Because we know that it's, it's not just that it's right before God to honor, even though it is, right? But the flip side is actually to be dishonorable actually hurts you. The Bible says it hurts you. Let's pick on us married guys real quick. Let's read 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, in the same way, now mind you, it's just laid out the whole, hey, wives, submit to your husbands, and everybody loves to claim that one, right? Guys are like, you hear that? Submit to me. Sorry, pal, taking that a little out of context. <laughs> then I love, they forget about this next part. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. Peter obviously was not watching the Olympics and the women lifting. But they might, she might be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. This is the incredible part, men. So your prayers will not be hindered. What? Wait a second. So you're telling me that if I don't show proper honor to my wife and treat her as an equal partner in this gift that God's given us, that my prayers could be hindered. Man, I hear a lot of guys sometimes, oh, God never answers my prayers. Sick and tired of praying. Don't never get nothing out of it. Could it be? Maybe you're not showing the honor that you should be showing and your prayers might be hindered. 
Of course, there in Mark chapter 6, that last little bit that we read in verse 5, that says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick and heal them. I brought it up a few weeks ago. I'll bring it up again. It's incredible to me that it doesn't say that because he was being treated as common, because he was being treated as ordinary, because he was being dishonored, that he wouldn't do any miracles. It wasn't Jesus there going, oh, well, if you'd give me honor, I would do some miracles. No, 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 no. It says he couldn't do any miracles. And I don't quite understand why he couldn't perform any miracles right then and there. And I'm not going to pretend that I understand or that I truly know, but I think we can all agree that a lack of faith and a lack of honor limited what Jesus would have done otherwise. And could it be that God wants to bless you new song that he wants to answer some prayers that you've sent up to him. He, he, wants to, he wants to reveal your purpose to you, but maybe he can't because you refuse to show honor. I love the ESV translation of Romans 12.10. It says this, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. Man, you want a marriage that's blessed, new song? Instead of tearing each other down, what if you tried to outlove one another? What, what, if, what if all of a sudden you tried to out-encourage one another? What, what if you tried to out-cherish one another? What if? When we honor others above ourselves, we in turn honor God. Pastor, you mean even if they got different opinions? You mean even when they're just wrong? Yeah. Why? Because they're still his. Because they still need the same grace that you and I need. We honor them because his name is on them. Because he created them. That's what I want you to understand, new song, is that you are not common. You are not ordinary. Your spouse isn't common and ordinary because his name is on you. I'm going to illustrate it like this. Brenda, could you bring me that? You see, Babe Ruth is probably considered one of the greatest home run hitters in the history of of baseball. They called him the great Bambino. And even though he signed tons and tons of baseballs throughout his career, he only signed seven home run bats. That's it. It's the only ones in existence. And I'm going to show you something here that might be hard to believe, but this is one of those bats. Actually, no, it's not. We don't have that kind of budget. But just pretend with me. But no, it was, there were seven bats that he had signed and one actually ended up coming up missing. Nobody knew where it was. All the memorabilia collectors had no clue. They just lost touch with it. They don't know where it's at. 
And meanwhile, there was this old man that was on his deathbed. He had no family, had no children to take care of him. All his family was gone. And there was this nurse that would take care of him. She'd come over every day, spend time with him. Her name was Marcia. Marcia treated him with great honor. It was incredible. And since he had no one to give anything to, none of his treasures, none of his forts, nothing. Before he died, he gave something special that he had had for years. He gave a bat to her. And at first she thought, ah, that's sweet. He's such a sweetheart. So she took the bat and she thanked him. And then she put it under her bed for home protection. She had no idea what she had. And then one day, all of a sudden, she decides that, man, I think I'm done nursing. I think it's come to that time. I'm going to pursue my dream. I want to open a restaurant. But then all of a sudden, she discovered, oh, it takes a lot of money to open a restaurant. So she had gone to banks and kept getting turned down. And then finally, she thought, you know, I wonder if that bat that he gave me is worth any money. So she took the bat down to a reputable memorabilia store. She handed it. She said what the guy had told her. And the guy goes, could it be? He was able to call in some experts that he had. And sure enough, they were able to authenticate the fact that that bat that she had was the missing autographed Babe Ruth bat. She would go on, she would take it to auction and she sold it at auction for $1.3 million. You see, this bat's probably only worth about 40. Pretty easy to get, jump on Amazon and grab one. But if Babe Ruth's signature happened to be on it, that would change the value significantly. You see, she did something really, really cool. She took the majority, not the majority, she took the minority of those proceeds and she opened her restaurant like she always wanted to. But she actually took the majority of the money and she donated it to a foundation for children that was very near and dear to Babe Ruth's heart while he was living. He would show up there during season. He would show up in the winter dressed as Santa Claus. He just had a heart for these children. So she donated the rest of that money to that children's foundation. And the befuddled media would ask her, why would you do that? You had one of the missing bats. You sold it for $1.3 million. Why in the world would you give most of the money away? She said something very interesting, and they're actually going to put her quote on the screen. She said the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. And since he made it valuable, the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honor his life. What do you think it is, New Song, that makes you valuable? What do you think it is that makes me valuable? It's the name that's above every other name. It's the name of Jesus. And New Song, because his name is upon you, that changes your value. 
You're not common. You're not ordinary. And because of who he is and what he's done, our only reasonable response is to honor him with our entire life. New song, would you stand with me? PJ gets back next week, but right now as the current spiritual leader of this house, I just want to, under the authority of God, I want to speak some some stuff. I want to declare some stuff over New Song Church. I declare a spirit of honor upon your hearts. I declare a spirit of honor upon our church that we would be known as a church that builds up rather than tears down. I declare over New Song Church that we would speak and be a voice of healing, that we would always be a voice of hope to the brokenhearted in our community. And I declare a spirit of honor over your home, over your children, and over every single thing that you touch. And God, help us to honor one another above ourselves. With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed real quick, I just want to ask a question. If that's you, that you would say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never made that step of faith. But this morning, I want to do that. I'm tired of living this life on my own, making mistakes. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you boldly shoot your hand up right now? It's awesome. It's incredible. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you could use some more honor in your life to be able to give honor to others, whether they deserve it or not, because I know it's the case for all of us. So can I just pray over you? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that there would be a spirit of honor that fall on this building, Lord, that falls on each and every person that's under the sound of my voice. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, they would begin to see others as you see them. Lord, not in their current state, but in the state of their purpose that you've placed in them long ago. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that every single one of us, Lord, as we walk out of this building and we go through our week and our month and our year, Lord, that we would be more like you every single day. And Lord, that we would constantly be a people of honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.